Curtain going up. Curtain going up. Places, please. Overture, stand by. Ladies and gentlemen, she comes to you from the cornfields of Indiana. She loves the Constitution more than she likes most people. Allow me to introduce Shouse in the House. Hello, everybody. Welcome to my latest episode of Shouse in the House. Um, I'm your host, literally Heather, and I have with me today Brian and John, who are then what that means. I'm going to kind of get a little bit of background. Brian, from you first, um, talk to me a little bit about um, where you started and how you kind of got into this this program. Sure. So uh, my name is Brian Orvitz, uh, founder and CEO of Redo Voting. My background, I'm proud to say, is um, former Army infantry guy and um, got into technology past the military, uh, specifically large infrastructure, network, cloud kind of things. Um, uh, very large projects. And it's, it's kind of led us to this place where we're at now where we've culminated some skill sets and uh, found a problem we can definitely fix. And so we've, our entire company is pretty much, with the exception of about two or three people, are all veterans. And then that's, that's very awesome. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, my my responsibility is to get out in the world and make dust, and then John comes along and cleans up the mess. <laughs> John, please um, go ahead and give us a little bit of background on you. I know that you have an extensive, uh, long career, and so I'd I'd love to hear a little bit more about you and and your time and how you got here. Okay. Uh, well, my name is John Rogers. Um, I spent 31 years in the Army. And uh, kind of got uh, to know Brian through that community. Uh, I have been uh, retired since 2017. And during that time, I've worked in the defense industry. Currently, I'm a junior ROTC instructor. But my specialty when I was uh, in the Army was operations. And so when Brian decided to get this, uh, this effort going, uh, he gave me a call. And I've been helping him to operationalize it for the last two years. Sure. And uh, we have managed to gain some traction over the last three months or so with redo voting. Okay, so let's get into redo voting and what that is. Obviously, I, if you look at what happened in 2020, um, there were a lot of, shall we call them, anomalies with the process of voting. Um, without trying to be a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, I want to try really hard to avoid that. Um, the idea that our elections are secure is a fallacy. Um, there is a lot of room for user error, meaning um, the people, and, and I think Joe Biden himself has said it numerous times, it doesn't matter what the votes are, it matters who counts the votes. So that's an incredibly concerning comment to be coming from a politician as a citizen who believes in the system that we have as far as a constitutional republic is concerned. So can you walk me through a little bit? I, and I have the graphic that you had sent me, Brian. Um, it, so let's start with, uh, let's start with how easy it is. And then I wanna get into some of the more specifics because I think one of the things that I worry about, and I'm gonna play devil's advocate with you guys, I think this process is incredibly awesome, but you're gonna have a lot of people that are gonna push back against you. So I'm gonna be those people today um, and, and kind of fight with you on some of the things that I think you will get as far as arguments are concerned. So talk about the system and how it works and how you guys kind of develop this. 
Joe. Actually, Brian, before you do that, let me let me come out of the gate with a, with a little bit of an adjustment on philosophy. Um, we recognize that there is a problem, but the problem has got to be one that everybody agrees on. Uh, election integrity challenges uh, go back all the way to the 1840s in the United States, but uh, it goes back and forth. One side says the other did something. The first side said they did something. But the real problem is about the perception of election integrity and faith in the electoral system. So that's what we tried to address. Our approach to this is completely nonpartisan. We do not care at all who actually wins. All we care about is a clean, universally accessible, absolutely transparent and secure system for doing this. Our intent is to return the voice of the people to the people so the decisions are made on the form it's supposed to be made. I, I agree. And and I guess maybe I kind of misspoke. I think after the 2020 election, a lot of voters become disenfranchised, mm -hmm. myself included. I voted in every single election since I was able to vote. And this, uh, the primary that happened in here in Indiana, it just happened last week. It was so unimportant to me that I forgot to vote. Like I, I didn't even, I didn't even pay attention to it. And that's, for me, that's so disheartening. And now, like, I, I feel guilty about it, right? Like, I'm like, oh, man, I didn't didn't do what I feel like I should do. Um, but it's because I feel like my vote really does not matter at all anymore. Um, so, okay, now, Brian, please go into, I agree with you, John. So thank you for that. Well, <clears throat> the system itself is uh, <clears throat> very simple. How simple? It's so simple that if you can work a scratch off lottery ticket, you can use the system. Also, this system is as secure as a scratch off lottery ticket. So what I would throw back to you is when's the last time you've seen a lottery get hacked? You haven't because it yeah. hasn't happened. <clears throat> so our system is very simple, open source code. So there's no secret when the secretary of the state, any state decides to pop the key as they will do, uh, people themselves can run the election themselves. They can do the math themselves. It's open source, all identities hidden, of course, but real results, real time, every time, no machines. Okay. So I'm going to walk through this graphic with you. Good. Step one, Pick up an official ballot from any one of these locations. You have gas station, supermarket, or civic building listed. So civic building meaning like a clerk's office, a church, or, or not a church, I'm sorry, a school, any of those types of locations? So here's how easy, this is so easy. The Your state doesn't have to pass any new laws, do any more procurement contracts, because we already exist within currently existing procurement contracts for all 50 states. If they buy lottery tickets, which they 45 or 50 do, then we come off the same printers. We're from the same budget. So there's no problem. In the re and I'm getting at something here. You're, are you seeing a theme? There is yeah. no change in your life. Right. So what's going to happen is the state says, wow, we love the system. So the next week they said, how do we have it? Well, next week when you purchase your lottery tickets, your scratch off lottery tickets, just add a budget line item for your ballots. And then you have a new... So the same people that deliver the lottery tickets can take them to the places where you can 
let's call it what it is, buy alcohol, cigarettes, any place you've got to give an ID, same regulations for voting okay. registration for voters. So no different. So okay. in your face all the time. Um, um, so if the state says government building, that could be any government building that's got a web browser and a camera. That could be, you could pick up your, you could register to vote in a convenience store. I'm not saying that we're going to advocate that, but you can because we exist within every state's election laws. We run concurrently with them from the start. So it's up, your, the long answer, the short answer to your question could have been, well, wherever, if the state wants you to pick it up in a library or wherever, they can. But the reality okay. is this fits into life as you know it already. So I want to ask one more qualifying question on this real fast. Mm -hmm. um, when you go to the location to pick these up, um, you had mentioned in the next part, the clerk scratches off the pad under the state seal to reveal a barcode, scans it, um, scans a barcode on the back of your state issued ID. So here's where I'm going to come with my first two, I guess, objections. Sure. Um, the first thing is that scanning system, what they're using to scan. If I go to a library, um, so are you guys going to have to implement more hardware into some of these locations for this scanning process? What does that look like? In fact, I can answer that question. Please do. <laughs> okay. The scanning is, is, is it's a simple barcode scan that's tied into a centralized network. Anywhere transactions take place, this could happen. Okay. No, um, no. Second no. objection that is the biggest one across the platform, across the board. You're, disin you're, you're, you're being discriminatory because you're demanding that people utilize an ID. What if they can't afford it or they can't obtain one? also the biggest myth yes i don't disagree with you but so, that's the argument so the, what right. what is the response here? here's the deal um everybody has a state issued id even if they're homeless they're, however they're disenfranchised um and if they don't have a state issued id they can get one free now here's where we tie in and not only do we tie in we clean up the voting rolls so all those dead people stop voting Here's the deal. That first barcode down in the lower left, that could be a government employee. That can be a clerk, whatever the state is cool with. They scan that. And guess what they just banged up against? The motor voter real ID system, because you probably got a star on your driver's license, right? That's a real I ID. I haven't system. upgraded mine yet. It's not okay. mandated you're yet. <laughs> you're still in the state system. So what's going to happen yes. is we're going to, the clerk's going to scan that one. Then he's going to, he or she's going to scan the back of your license. And then screen's going to pop up where you before would have said, yes, I want to tip this person. I want to sign this or whatever. You just confirm your information. You put a pin code if the state wants it. You press submit. Boom. You're now a hash in the system. Your name's gone. You're registered to vote. And you just made sure nobody can vote your name and no more dead people can vote. So from that point on, you don't do anything with it until you get to that next scratch off on voting day. And you could be okay. on the space station in the bathroom with that and you could vote. Okay, I lied. I have one one more uh, a caveat to this. So the illegal immigrants who are issued state identifications, mm -hmm. how do you prevent them from participating in this? Again, same deal. They still have, that's where it gets bad for them because they still have to register to vote. If, they are, if the state allows illegals to vote, that's on the state. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah, that's a 
that's an important point to make. It is. We are an election integrity company, not a voter integrity company. Mm-hmm. Voter integrity is a responsibility of the state. And gotcha. this system can gotcha. be tailored to fit any scenario that the state wants to put forward. If the state wants to have uh, no ID required to vote, okay, we can work with that. Mm-hmm. But the, the bottom line is that every registration will have one vote and one vote only associated with it. Okay. So ballot harvesting is a thing of the past. It cannot be done. That's right. Okay. That is very awesome. I'm very excited so far. If you want this thing so to far. work right down the line where you have absolutely impenetrable security, um, then it's up to the state to tighten up the voter requirements. Okay. But we can work with anything down to, hey, you want to vote? Come on in and vote. But if you want so, it to okay. work exactly the way we say, you got to tighten up the voter uh, registration piece. Well, and it kind of forces. So here's the really interesting thing, right? Because of the way government works. Obviously, it should work from the bottom up. We should have more control mm-hmm. in, a, in a centralized, like in our own backyard than the federal government has over anything that I do or say on a daily basis. That's unfortunately not how things work. Um, But I think that one of the huge benefits of this program is if the people demand it and you can get some of these, you know, local election officials to put pressure on some of these county officials that put pressure on these state officials, you can have states that completely buy into a program like this. So I'm, I'm really excited about this. I, I just, I, I know it seems like I'm not because I'm arguing on the other side of things, but I want I want to keep going. So well, it's good, and I want what I, I it's, this is also a point worth making. What you just said is a big deal because um, <clears throat> for us, we see this as a state's rights issue. So this is a state thing. We've, in fact, to your point, we've also had an incredible amount of success with the traction at the grassroots level. We've already had uh, several. Actually, I can say several now, several mayors here in, around the Atlanta area and one county commissioner said, come on, um, we get it. And, and, and like John said earlier, um, you could pop off a real time election with the people for the people as quick as the local governments want with this. And it's all real time. OK, I'm going to get into some of that after we get through this graphic, because I, I want to talk about uh, where you guys are at right now with implementation. But let's let's hold off on that yet. Okay, so I have gone to the store. I have accessed my 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 ballot, right? I've gotten my my little scratch off. Mm-hmm. Um, so scratch off the first gray square. You reveal the QR code. You use the coin. Scratch it off. Now it's time to register for my profile, right? Mm-hmm. So you had mentioned the hash. Mm-hmm. Um, at, is does that hash process start after I've completed this first square? It does. You, you okay. become a hash. Yes. A so, hash to be specific. Here's the next part where I feel like you guys may push up against some, some pushback. Older individuals have no clue what a hash is or what that even means. Mm-hmm. So in the most layman dumbed down terms possible, explain to me what happens when I register for this. Because you still have people that won't buy things on Amazon because they're afraid all of their information is now available for the whole world to, to use against them. So talk to me about how secure this hash system is. Yeah, first I'll, I'll let John, I want, John can answer if he likes, but the, I want you to know the name of that infographic is called the 90 year old graphic for the exact. 
<laughs> that was the number one. Me, that was our priority is how would a 90-year-old woman do this? Right. And that's the process. Okay, let me let me see if I can simplify it for the for the Luddites out there like me. Um everybody mm -hmm. is familiar with uh, the word program, right? Yes. Okay. So I mean, I you type out something in a word program, right? And then you erase it. Where is that information? It's gone. It's gone. Exactly. You haven't saved it. It's gone. You back up. It's just gone. This system works on an internet browser. When you hit submit, it's the same thing as erasing all that information. The only information that goes forward is encoded with the most current secure hash algorithm uh, technology available. And because we utilize a one-way hash, there is no way of getting into that information. Once it's out there, there's no remnant on the website. And all that anybody out there can know from that point forward is that it is a legitimate legal vote. Your identity is completely disassociated with it once you hit submit. And it will always be mathematically provably you. That's what I was getting ready to say. So one of the things that I've always hated about voting is that I can't go back, you know, a year from now and be like, who did I vote for in that in that race or in that election? And I think and I know I, I'm kind of skipping ahead in the infographic, but I love the idea where I can actually keep track of like the, the decisions that I've made as a voter. And it shows me explicitly Yes, your vote was counted. Here's who you voted for in, in all of these things. So we'll get to that. I'm sorry, I'm totally skipping ahead. Um, okay, so I scan, I set up my information and now we are encrypted, we are in the system, everything is good to go. Step two is election day. So now it's time for me to vote. Here's my next thing that I wonder about and I'm concerned about. What if between step one and step two, I have lost my card. Go get another one. So it doesn't matter. Just as long as I have that that QR code, it doesn't matter which card I'm using. Because when we, because here's I, and I guess maybe I, maybe I'm not understanding. When I went to get the card the first time, right? The clerk scanned the card and scanned my ID. Right. Now that's tied together. If now I go back and she scans a second card and scans my ID, does that eliminate that first identification? Because, okay. Remember we said you can get You can get all the cards you want, but think okay. of it as driving a nail, okay? If you have a hundred hammers and you hammer that nail in with one hammer, it doesn't matter which hammer you use. Right. Once you've hammered that nail in, that one nail is in there. It doesn't matter how many hammers you have. Okay. Right? Okay. Yes. Each registration gets one vote. doesn't matter how many ballots you get. Once you vote on one of those cards, you can register all of them you want to. You can, you can get it activated. You can register. You, all that stuff. Once you have voted on that ballot, nobody else can vote on that registration until the next election. Okay. So... If someone finds that ballot that I used before, that QR code, it doesn't matter. Not, no, no. Okay, okay, that's what I needed to know. Next, I use the camera and then it presents me with my ballot on my cell phone. I have the ability to just go through, do, 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 I vote. Mm -hmm. And then I hit send, I just voted. 
-hmm. And that goes in another hash code. It goes out. It's encrypted. Mm -hmm. It's done. Mm -hmm. Well, it recognizes the last hash. That's how your balance is together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then the um, next step, it's got review where you can scratch off. You can use that QR code to um, to review anything that you've done up to that point. Mm-hmm. And it says in here, um, it gives you access for an it's unlimited, like for the, durate, like the history of your vote. OK. Um, and you can print and it off. You're the off only as a one who has that access. Yeah. You're the only one. Unless yeah. you give somebody else a QR code, you're the only yeah. one who can ever see that. And it's a it's a PDF printable format. So, yes, you can print it out if you want to. But this is important. Once you have voted, your vote goes into a secure state run repository. So all you're doing is seeing it. You can't change it. You can't mess with it. Right. It's in there. You can confirm it. You're the only one who can confirm it. But once you voted, your vote's in there. Okay. So let's talk about this state repository because the process on the front end of things, as you guys have explained, is incredibly secure. Mm-hmm. What about on the repository side? What if, is there any way to change the vote once it has left my hand? Is there any way that someone at the state repository could make changes? So that's the, the amazing question. The short answer, absolutely not. Um, they would be in jail so quick because this is not hosted on a .com. This is on a .gov. Not only is it on a .gov, it's in the lottery infrastructure for the state, the most secure infrastructure in the world, hands down. That's where and- our system resides. No Russia, no Iran, no one not foreign a, entity John, what do you get like in and hack any of this. John's got the great answer for this question, <laughs> which is usually, well, they could do it, but it would take, the earth would die a heat yeah. death before they change one vote. <laughs> Everything, well, well, here's the thing. We, we um, present ourselves as unhackable. But in truth, given enough computing power and enough time, everything is hackable. Right. To hack into even one vote in this repository, even one, would require all the computing power of a modern nation state and more time than the universe has been in existence. It seems to get into one vote. And then when the election's over. So, okay. If you get in there, if you actually get in there, all you're going to see is a bunch of legal votes. That's all you see. There are no identities associated with it. You can't get into any of the votes. So if somebody wanted to come in and start eliminating votes, that's kind of stupid because you have no idea who they voted for. Right. You have, let's, uh, there's, there's no way of telling. Let's talk about, and uh, Brian, I had mentioned this to you in our conversation previously, but let's talk about absentee ballots. Um, yes. The military. So one of the things that I had asked you was the um, state issued IDs, like what actually qualifies as that. Um, And I asked you if cat cards work. And the answer was, yes, they do. Um, The follow up question that I had for you um, is absentee ballots. You have a lot of overseas military that vote. And I feel like sometimes the elections are decided before those votes even make it into our hands at this point. And that's incredibly sad because I mean, it's almost as if the people who the vote should count for the most, it never does. Um, And then you move forward to here, right? So absentee ballots have been abused 
significantly in our election system the way that it is right now, where you have, like you had mentioned earlier, ballot harvesting, where you go in to a nursing home and you start um, doing some of that stuff. So talk to me a little bit about how absentee ballots and then how do we eliminate ballot harvesting where somebody doesn't just get a stack of these cards and then go into a nursing home and, and use that? I'm happy to answer that question, um, but I actually let, I want John to answer because um, <clears throat> this is this is kind of how we've gotten where we are. I'm, he'll answer it from a perspective of a senior leader. I'll answer it from the perspective of somebody that's street level going, yep, we're going to get you in there. You're going to vote and da, 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 and why it's important. Okay. So, um, and John's got a much better command perspective okay. of how it affects the military than I do. John. Okay. Know. In order to vote, you need an activated ballot and an internet browser. Those two things. That's it. You have to have the ballot sent to you. And only one ballot is going to work for you. When you order the ballot, ideally, this is how it should work. You uh, prove your identity. When they confirm your registration, they will send you a link where you go and you establish a four-digit pin. So when they mail this ballot to you, you do it exactly the same way anybody else does in real time on election day. You scratch off your QR code. You go in. Um, if you if it requires a four-digit pin, you punch in your four-digit pin, or you can't go forward. And right. since you're the only one who knows that four-digit pin, nobody else can use your ballot. Once your registration is voted on. Nobody else can vote on that registration. So it's really no different than being anywhere else. Now, with the military, same idea. Right. Now, do you, okay, so, so let's say. We'll have ballots. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, like, I'm thinking like um, Iraq, Afghanistan. We had tons of people when they're like, so internet wasn't exactly the easiest thing to get access to sometimes depending on where you were located sometimes i'm, I'm talking early on before a lot of the fobs were set up i saw your face colonel um so <laughs> the um later it obviously was but um what does that process look like there like how do i mean how am i scanning a barcode if i'm in fucking ukraine at this point moving forward does that make sense I understand the question. I can tell you that the military doesn't move without communications in place. Okay. And that's um, fair. I just, I guess, I again, yeah. I'm trying to advocate as somebody who would make arguments against you guys for why yeah. this process wouldn't work. We love um, it. It's not necessarily that I think that it won't or that I don't know what you're saying. It's just I want to make sure I fight with you a little bit. Um, so... One of the last things that you guys have on this infographic before we move forward with some of the other stuff, it said some, not all states require in-person validation. Indiana um, is a state where you must prove your identity before you can vote. I don't know that we require in-person. I mean, we do do absentee ballots here, but um, it said if required, take your ballot to any active polling station in your state. Poll worker will scratch off the final square to reveal the QR code. Poll worker scans the QR code confirming your vote was legally cast. So is that just it? Do you know what states where you would, even though you've been through the whole process, you would still have to go um, and be verified? Do you know which states those are? Yeah. Well, um, here's the thing. If the state requires it, then it could be like a drive up COVID testing center. You drive up that person. What what happens? And I think it's a, this is also important to note that uh, I didn't bring up before. 
the one of the most important things about the system is it's chain of custody related. Every step of the way is a chain of custody. <clears throat> so in this case, if the state requires in-person voting or if they require that kind of validation in person, literally no more than a poll worker under a tent, camera, scanner, whatever, could be their own. And then that last QR code may be on a perforated piece. So if we want to have physical proof of the ballots as well, well, then you just drop that in a secure box. And now right. you have, you know, so it's a, and that closes the chain of custody front to back. And again, I mean, I realize this isn't your all's responsibility. This is yeah. something that's on the state and we yeah. should be advocating for differences. So mm -hmm. let's talk about that with you guys. Let's talk sure. about um, what kind of traction have you gained? What kind of pushback have you received? I know, and I don't know, I, I know some of that. I, I don't know if you can talk about that yet. So um, in the context in which you can speak about it, uh, I'd like to know, I'd really like to know who's giving you pushback on it because that tells me who doesn't want a secure election. So talk to me a little bit about that if you guys don't care. Man, that's actually a Before, before we get into that, hold on, hold on. Before we get into that, there is an important philosophy that needs to be paired with what you said before. <laughs> the next evolution of elections is digital. That's just, that's just the fact. The reason that we have set the system up the way that we have is to facilitate a transition to that. There are going to be states that are going to require in-person, but it's superfluous. It doesn't, it doesn't really make any difference on the system, but you can't go and tell a state, you have to do things differently now. So right. we've set the system up to be able to accommodate any concerns that the state has using the system. Right. We will eventually get to the point where the technology is totally trusted from end to end because we employ secure document technology that can't be broken. We employ uh, digital security measures and hashes that can't be broken. We ensure chain of custody, but some folks look at it as being too good to be true. So we lead them down the path by using their procedures. Yeah, so I, I when I said we need to change it, I meant the people, not yeah. you guys as a company. No, so I agree. No, we agree. <laughs> we're just, no, that's oh yeah, cool. No, what I'm saying is we get it. There are people who are going to yeah. go, ah, this is evil. They're they're trying to steal elections. <laughs> I get that. I understand that people are going to be misinformed about this. Right. And there are going to be certain people out there who who recognize that their keys to power are going to be challenged. Yes. And so a lot of people are going to do everything they can to try to stop free, clear, and transparent voting. But we can accommodate that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So to pick up on that and gently answer that question, um, we used the John Lewis Voting Rights Act as a guide here. Okay. Okay. Um, guess who won't talk to us? <laughs> So now, now that said, now that said, yeah, that's pretty diabolical. But that said, I can also unfortunately say an elected official used the phrase keys to power and you don't want to do that to us from the other side. Right. So we're, 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 we're truly looking at this as fight as we're going to fix you both. And I'm saying we're going to fix you both, meaning. If I know you're you honest, we're down with you. But if you're not, so I don't we don't we don't care what letters beside your name. Right. So yeah, far, and I, most of the traction, I'm sorry. 
No, go ahead. So far, most of the traction we've gotten have been from um, conservative outlets. Full and um, full disclosure, a lot of us are politically fairly conservative. But yeah. the bottom line is this is not a partisan effort. This has nothing to do with which party you're right. in. This has everything to do with making sure that the right people are in charge. Yeah. And, and the I right think people are defined by who well the right people are defined by who the voters want. Yeah. Good governance can come from either side of the aisle. And once upon a time, partisan politics were about different routes to the best possible outcome. Right. And that's where we want to return to. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, it's, it's been incredibly, like I said, it's been disheartening. Um, and it, it feels you, you get kind of like a defeatist feeling that you can't change it, that nothing is or ever, because I, I, and I shared this with Brian and kind of what prompted me to really want to have the two of you on um, the idea that an election was had and that there were questions, right? Like we, we know Certainly, like let's let's take um, people who had moved out of state. That was one other question I had, and I'm really glad I just thought of that. I'll come back to that in a second. Um, people who who have moved, right? So they're no longer registered in their specific location, or uh, people who are dead, or Dominion changing votes, or whatever. Like, let's remove all of that. Yep. You had local election officials officials violate constitutional law by not going through their state legislatures for the election right. and used COVID as an excuse to do it. And that's a huge problem for me as a citizen. You know, whenever Texas implemented that, um, the, the request to the Supreme Court, you had 24 states signed on to that, um, to that lawsuit. Whenever that happened, I was like, thank goodness there are some people who are looking out for those of us who feel disenfranchised by what happened. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, and I, I mean, at least speaking from my perspective, I don't know that this is necessarily the case, but it doesn't feel like Arizona, New Mexico, Georgia, which is where you guys are, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, it doesn't feel like those states have done much from a state legislature perspective to shore up some of those problems that they had in the last election. And here we are two years later, ready for, you know, some big moves as far as the Senate and the house of representatives are concerned. And I don't feel like things have been taken care of, certainly not for the 2024 election. Mm -hmm. So I, what you guys are doing, I think is really important. I do want to go back really quick to the movement thing. So I, I, let's say my state issued ID and my voter registration still reflect that I live in Atlanta, but I have actually moved to Louisville. Mm -hmm. How does that work within your all system? How do you eliminate that? Assuming you got your new state driver's license when you moved to Louisville, you're done, literally. Okay. Even the day but what if I haven't? Well, then you'll be voting in your home state. Again, like John said, we're a voting integrity company. Sure. So if you bought, if you moved and you followed the rules, usually you have to get a new driver's license in a new state within 30 days. 
right. because of the motor currently existing motor voter laws and the real ID system in all 50 states, when you get that new license, want to register to vote? Sure. But if you, if you forget to, you can go the day of convenience store, whatever. Again, that go, that process that's on that infographic is what happens. Cool. It doesn't matter. No effect whatsoever. Awesome. Well, the other nifty thing about this, though, is when it is fully and impl fully implemented, and it will be at some point. It's like when computers first came out, a lot of people said, oh, I'll never get a computer. Well, guess what? The world now runs on computers. Yeah. The same thing is going to happen with this system. And when it does, you can register to vote in one state. But then when you move, you go in and you're, you're confirming your registration information. You change your address. Bink, it'll take you to the registration page in your new home. You put in your new address. All that's verified. And then you get to vote in your new place. You don't get to vote in your old place and your new place. Right. <laughs> but you get to vote where you just moved to. Right. One person. One vote. one vote. That's the model. Pure transparency as well. I have one more question and I will edit this out if this is not something that you guys want to answer. I try really hard to be transparent though. Um, obviously as a taxpayer and as a citizen, when I start looking at things like a new system, talk to me about what the cost to the taxpayer is going to look like with this program. That's one of what does that questions. transition look like? It's one of our favorite questions and John can answer it far more eloquently than I can. Okay. <laughs> one of our major selling points is transparency. Yeah. So uh, we're never going to ask you to edit anything out. Awesome. Uh, there was a study in 2017 that came out of MIT that showed the average cost per election per voter was $8.10. The only cost to the state is ballot procurement. That's $5 per ballot. At $5 so per cheaper. ballot, we're looking at a savings across the board of just under 40 percent wow. no equipment to buy there's no machines there's no nothing nothing like that you need no an internet browser today. and your ballot yeah wow it is the best of all worlds pretty so we awesome that, we advise that the, and again it's up to the state but we would and will advise them why don't you put that back into social services so you can have the outreach to go get, take a stack of ballots to old folks home, drop right. them off. So, and those ballots are going to be delivered by the same workers that are already delivering the lottery tickets. Yeah. Nothing new to be here. Voter integrity is the job of the state. That doesn't mean we're not willing to help them find the right way to right. do it. Sure. Gosh, guys, I'm really excited about this. I'm I'm super excited, Brian, that I got to meet you. John now, you know, Smolder, whatever you sure. want to be called. Um, <laughs> I very much appreciate both of you taking the time to speak with me today. Um, what is a good place? So I am assuming you guys are currently in the process of flirting with different states. Um, where is a place that somebody can get in touch with you guys if they are a state official and they're interested in, in this program? Very simply enough, I'm, I'm Brian at Redo Voting and he's John at Redo Voting. Um, we will answer in what I can tell you without divulging too much. Again, this is probably something the Colonel can say better than I, but um, the traction we've received, you would be, even you would be shocked. Um, well, I'll put it this way. Our ass has made it to Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> that should tell you how well the And we've been invited back. And what That's are we invited now, John, to? Eight states to meet governors and secretaries of states. 
we're going to the convention of attorneys general. All 50 of them are going to be there. That's awesome. We've That's got some really pressure. awesome. Um, you guys had, or Brian, you had mentioned a couple lineups that you had as far as some different shows that you guys are going on. Mm -hmm. Do you know the dates of those where people could tune in for, to see you guys? We're actually working on securing them and I'm not, not going to be dodgy here, but um, the nature of who's asked us to go on that show and who the shows are, we want to nail the dates down. Okay. That's fair. I just wanted to give um, people the opportunity to tune in in case I didn't ask good enough questions and they, they may want to learn more. You so. know, what kind of bait can you throw out there about what we're doing on that? Well, I can tell you that we have a number of shows, commitment secure. What we're what we're working to do is lie down the dates because we have commitments. They have commitments. We're trying to get that lined up. But I'll tell you what we can do. Um, on Twitter, we are at Redo Voting. And uh, as those dates come available, I'll post them on Twitter. So follow us at Redo Voting and, uh, and you can get all the information you need. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with both of you. John, especially you driving and stuff. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, and Brian, please stay in touch, guys. I look forward to seeing what you guys do Absolutely. anytime. Heather, thank you. Your, your pleasure to talk to you. I mean, really uh, enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks, thank guys. you so much, Heather. Much you guys take care. It. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to be notified whenever we have another episode come up, please subscribe. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Please make it a great day in America. This is the country where few people leave, too many people want to enter, and dead people still vote. Take care. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death!